Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. We're back for a second episode this week and as ever, there's lots to discuss in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, you all good? Yeah, all good. Um, we're going to try and do more of these kind of second pods in a week whenever we can because we kind of feel like there's various stuff that happens over the course of the week that by the time we're recording a post-match pod, it kind of feels a little bit dated. And this way, it's, it's just a way for people to maybe catch up on stuff a little bit quicker. Maybe that happens in the week. Uh, it's not going to be every week. It's just going to be as, as kind of much as we can. And certainly in some weeks, there's going to be midweek matches. Not many, but there's going to be the odd midweek match that we can have a little chat about as well. But uh, just on that whole topic, actually, just before we really kick it off, I just want to say thank you to everyone because... Guesty and I, I know we said this about a month ago when we found out kind of what our download and listening figures were, which which absolutely knocked us for six, I'll be honest. Like I said at the time, I think that we expected it was just probably our family listening <laughs> somewhere. Um, and actually, we found out there's like hundreds of thousands of people download and listen to this every month, which is just amazing, especially like we say, mostly it's once a week. But I went down the rabbit hole this week of yesterday, actually, of finding uh, the charts, the podcast charts, because I always have seen people, various people that do podcasts and they put up these charts and I'm always like, oh, we're not even in there kind of thing. And then we realize it's because we've got a slightly different um, category, isn't it? That's what it is. We're classified as sports news. I don't know whether that's what they decided because of the journalism angle. I don't know exactly the reasoning behind it. But so suddenly we're in all these different kind of charts. So as soon as I kind of realized that, looked at these charts, I was like, oh my goodness, we're like number one in South Korea. <laughs> we're like number one in various places. In the, in America, we're like in the top 10, aren't we, I think, or something like that? I think it was something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's mad. In the UK, we were third. And it's again, it's not to to our own kind of horn and all that sort of stuff. Well, I guess it kind of is in a way. But it's more the fact just how kind of proud we are. This is something that we kind of, I don't want to say we fought to get it back, but it was something that we really wanted to get up and running again. We used to have a podcast a long time ago and it kind of, it went away. And Guesty and I really kind of led the the charge to try and get it back. Um, and it just, it's very heartwarming really to know that people are listening and seemingly enjoying um not everyone i'm sure i'm sure some people actually despise us but on the whole everyone seems to be very kind about it and that's absolutely lovely and it kind of just gives us even more motivation to do it which is kind of partly why we're trying to do these second ones as well because people are, are saying that that's the kind of thing they'd want as well so we're going to try not to make it overlapping we're going to try not to you know, talk about the same subjects too much. And that's that's the one danger, I think, if you do two podcasts in a week. But we're going to try not to do that too much. Uh, the odd thing, obviously, we'll have to go over again, but not too much. Um, and yeah, so if you're on Instagram, have a little look. I put on my Instagram story, although I don't know how many hours that's got left because it's only up for 24 hours. I put all various charts. And I guess you suggest that you want us to do a world tour, don't you? Yeah, starting in El Salvador, I think it is now. Yeah, we're number, is that we're number one, aren't we, in El yeah, Salvador? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, impressive. <laughs> and I think Bahamas and Bermuda and places like that, we can have a cracking world tour. I think we start it in the winter. I think that would be great. I think we're probably not at the world tour stage yet. Um, 
Although there have been some talks, haven't there, about maybe doing a live pod at some point, um, which I think we're both absolutely terrified about because of, it's one of those where you kind of, it sounds like a great idea and probably be quite fun, but you worry there'd be like three people turn up and it would just be you and me and them doing a Q&A or something. Um, but yeah, so now I have a little look on my Instagram. It's got like loads of the charts up there. Although I did find out when I was looking around on Instagram that there's a certain Rob guest I was going to tag in. We're not friends on Instagram. <laughs> Explain. I'm sure I put in a request for you about years ago. Yeah, you did. I just didn't accept it. <laughs> I, I, it's I, unbelievable. I explained my reasons to you last night for not doing it. And like I said, I've not against you, but I don't <laughs> post photos on there. So I just don't see the point of anyone following me. So yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, I'm only I'm only winding him up. Um guesty is a is a a lurker. Can we call you a lurker? Is no. that is that a no. Well don't say I know that. that's that's not the greatest word in the world, but you know what I mean, as in you use Instagram, it really sounds voyeuristic now, but you use it, I guess, more to to read than to interact. Is that the best way to put it? Maybe. I don't know. It still sounds a bit voyeuristic. It does. It? Yeah. yeah, it does. Move I, I think on, people, move on. Yeah, people know what I mean. You know, there's a, a lot of people just use Instagram to look at other stuff and learn stuff and, and see what people are up to and things like that. Voyeuristic. But... Um, <laughs> That's still not the weirdest Instagram thing, though. That's not the weirdest snubbing on Instagram. I was thinking about this week. He's now left the club, so I think I can probably say it's okay. And it's honestly, I promise you, before I tell this little mini story, it's something I have never been that fussed about, but it just made me think about it. I've only ever been blocked by one Tottenham player, or currently blocked by one Tottenham player, um, out of any, any of them. Uh, Academy first team, anything. You remember who it is? Harvey White. It is Harvey yeah. White. And it's so weird because I've always been incredibly nice about Harvey White and very positive because he's a very good young player. And I still, to this day, have no idea what I got blocked for. Um, yeah, I was trying to think back about it. All the times I'd written about him, if I ever wrote anything negative, I don't think I ever ever have because he's a tidy, really good young player. And I think he's going to have a really good football league career. But yeah, I just remember one day someone tagged or something, tagged me in it and I tried to click on it. I, like, I can't click on this. What's this all about? And I was like, search for him. No, I can't find him. And I realized that if I can't do that, it means that I've been blocked from it. And so that was my, my weird blocking. I, I'm shocked I haven't been blocked before by certain players that I have criticised, but that one, to me, did make me chuckle. I did get blocked briefly by Marcus Edwards once. That was my other... I seem to upset academy players. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, you know, he blocked me briefly. That was because... Do you remember when Poch was expected to calling up for a League Cup game and then didn't and said he wasn't ready yet? And so I went and watched him that night in an under-21s game at Stevenage, under-23s back then. And I just mentioned in my match report that Poch was kind of right. And it, it, you could see, and almost there was a slight element of maybe, maybe I used the wrong words, but it almost did feel a bit like he was sulking out there on the pitch and the kind of wasn't trying to do too much on his own with the ball, wasn't doing as much. And Marcus Edwards has gone and had a terrific career. I think he's really, really done well for himself. But yeah, I did that match report that night. And literally the next day I was blocked. I can't remember if it was Twitter or Instagram, one of the two. But then 
he unblocked me a little while later. Um, whatever happened, I don't know. But yeah, but that Harvey White, it was so surprising. He's such a, I was, I'm trying to think if I've interviewed him before. I don't know if I, m- I maybe did on one of the tours, but he always comes across really nice. I, I don't know. Maybe I just did something uh, that I wasn't aware of, or maybe he had something on his story that he doesn't want journalists seeing. I don't know. Family stuff. I don't, it could be anything. It could be absolutely anything. But that has always made me chuckle because it never really made any sense whatsoever. And it was you. Realising that you didn't even allow my friend request all those years ago, it made me uh, remember the whole Harvey White thing. But he's <laughs> off to Stevenage now. Hopefully, you'll do very well there. I actually thought he'd probably, and this is no disrespect to Stevenage because I covered them for a, a little while, um, but I actually thought maybe he'd go to maybe a more established League One club. Stevenage a bit more of a kind of a yo-yo club between League One and League Two over recent years. But I guess it keeps him local. It keeps him at a club that Spurs know very well and got great links with as well. Um, he'll do very well there. I'm, I'm sure he will. Um, and I, I would imagine at least he'll be a championship player as he kind of goes on. And, and who knows even more? He's still 21, 22? Something like that, yeah. Early young oh, lad. Good yeah. move for him. Yeah. I would say, just on a, this is absolutely of no real interest to anyone, which is, don't know why I'm saying on a podcast, but it's actually quite an interesting thing when we're, for a young players maybe that do that sort of thing, that block a journalist, that in a way he was quite lucky it was me because I don't really care. It didn't, it didn't affect the way I wrote about him. I was very positive about him still afterwards. But in doing that, technically, you could get a wrong journalist, couldn't you? You could get a journalist that really takes offence to that and actually ends up not burying your career. I don't, wouldn't say we have the power to do that, but could definitely can influence maybe opinion about someone. You know, but they could get it out there, oh, Harvey White's rubbish, or something like that. And people who don't watch the Academy might think that. It is a little bit of a an interesting thing to do. I don't know why I've turned this into the Harvey White podcast. That is not what this second podcast of the week is meant to be. Um, like I say, very nice young man by all accounts. Hopefully going to do very, very well for himself in the Football League. But it just made me think of that when I uh, discovered the painful dagger to the heart that you hadn't ever re- accepted my friend request. But that's fine. I'm not part of the Magnificent Seven that you've allowed to follow you. That's fine. I'll deal with it. Yeah, that's fine. I, w- I won't be accepting it. So, uh, <laughs> we're 10 right. minutes into the show and I've spoken about a kid blocking me from an academy. That is shocking. Um, apologies to everyone. That is not worth you getting a second episode for. Right, we'll move on now. Uh, what we're going to talk about today, there's a few things that have happened since Monday's episode, uh, including transfers out of the club, uh, transfers what you know what could potentially happen with the Saudi Arabia deadline uh, being 10 p.m. tonight and then deadline in Turkey's next Friday uh and what we're finally going to get onto before we've cleared a few things up it's play ratings for the season so far from Tottenham's first five games but before then uh Monday night we saw the transfer of two Tottenham players to Galatasaray Davinson Sanchez went for 15 million euros. This is a permanent deal. Galatasaray themselves put an official statement out saying it's for 9.5 million euros, but from what we understand, that is 15 million euros. Then Tangi on the belly got his move to the Turkish club as well, but this one's on loan with an option to buy for 15 million euros, but remains to be seen if he will get a permanent move come 
the end of the season because he's had a couple of loan moves in the past two seasons now. Leon and Napoli, they both had options to sign him, didn't take them up. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with Endon Belly. But it does give him uh, a chance to play regular first-team football, which he wasn't going to get at Tottenham under Ange Postacoglu. And it also will allow him to play in the Champions League. And I think that's one of the things he wanted if he was going to move from uh, Spurs. And Galatasaray have Man- uh, yeah Manchester United in the group. So he'll be coming up against Sergio Reguilón, who's joined them on loan. By Munich, uh, so he'll be reunited with Harry Kane, and then they've also got Copenhagen in there as well. So, in terms of Endombele, for you, the right move for him? <sighs> I feel like we should be playing a time to say goodbye music. Um, yeah, I mean, we again, we don't want to cross over too much with the last podcast we did. We kind of knew this was starting to get towards its completion, I think, in the last pod. Um, I think it's it's kind of a sign of where he's at right now. But fair play, like you say, gets to play Champions League football, gets to play against some big teams in a, in a good group. Um, and in an ideal world, I think for all concerned now, he has a great season. And if he has a great season, to be fair to Galatasaray, I think that option of £12.8 million, pounds, €15 million, Euros, it will be a bit of a bargain if he has a good season. That's a big thing. He's got to be consistent. He's got to have a really good season. And I think making an impact in Europe is going to also be a shop window thing for him as well. Um, it may be that he just spends the one season there. Um, but I would imagine if Galatasaray feel that someone is going to come in and buy him from Spurs because he's had a good season, they exercise the option, they sign him. I presume, I'm trying to think with an option. Presumably, he would still have to agree to that, wouldn't he? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. That's far too far in the future. It's Tongi. Anything can happen in the next 12 months. So, yeah, fair play to him. He's, he's got to move away. He needs to now impress and he needs to now change some, I think, perceptions about him and that he's wasting his career a little bit. It's kind of how it's felt over recent years. Um, and then, yeah, if if they sign him, then great. If not, <laughs> we'll be talking about Tongi again next summer. But uh, it's more the Davinson one that I'm still surprised at. Yeah, I think that's uh, a big surprise because I think everyone probably assumed once the Premier League transfer window closed for business last Friday at 11pm, that was it for Davinson. He'd be staying at the club at least until January, but obviously Ange Postacoglu sanctioned both of those transfers and it does leave Spurs awfully short at centre-back, especially you know if one of Christian Romero or Mickey van der Ven come back from this international break carrying uh, a knock. Uh, so they are shot there, but what it does show, it's a huge show of faith in young Ashley Phillips, who's joined from Blackburn Rovers this summer. And it does also, you know, hand Eric Dyer uh, a Tottenham reprieve because he's not been in the match day squad in the first five games. And you'd assume now that Davinson Sanchez has departed, that Eric Dyer will jump up the pecking order, but going on the team selection so far... I think Ben Davis and Ashley Phillips are still going to be ahead of him. And uh, for Sanchez, it does give him the opportunity to go play week in, week out, which he's not had over the past couple of seasons. And is it the age where he needs to be playing week in, week out? And Champions League football uh, on offer for him there at Galatasaray as well. So 
hopefully the move for him is uh, a big success, but it's just in terms of Tottenham, they are really, really short at the back. Just fingers crossed. There's no suspensions or injuries in that positions between now and January. Absolutely. Because, I mean, Postacoglu sanctioned both departures. I can only imagine that he's looking at it with January in mind. Yeah. I think that's it. That he's just thought, you know what? I mean, we've seen different fees for Sanchez. Galatasaray are putting out there that, what are they saying? It was 9.5 million euros. 9.5. Spurs coming out, or certainly coming out within Spurs, it's actually, it's 15 million euros, which is 12.8, same as the Tongi option. So, Someone there's not quite telling the entire truth. I think the best way you'll find out is in the financial statements at the end of the year. That'll give you a better idea of it. Um, obviously, Galatasaray want to look like they got a better deal, and so will Spurs. Um, but let's say they do take up the Tongi deal. That's €30 million Euros you've kind of got going forward. Obviously, with Sanchez, it's more the... If it is £12.8 million to go towards a January new recruit, let's be honest, January they're signing a new centre-back. They are. It's something that Postacoglu wanted this summer, another one, didn't happen. It'll happen in January. It kind of has to. Ashley Phillips, definitely Postacoglu's been impressed with him. What I would say is it's a lot of pressure to put on an 18-year-old. Um, and oh, it's difficult because I'd imagine the fans will want to see him play we were as journalists, if some you know, if there's an injury, we'll probably say that he needs to start as well or have a go. But the interesting thing, I was I did an article that went out um Tuesday that people should have a little look at. It was some excerpts from Postacoglu's book that he wrote in 2016, I think it was published. And within that, there was a section where he spoke about young players that he gave debuts to. Um and he said, you know, he gave players that 18, 17 years old, he didn't care if they were ready. Get them in there. Let's see how they go, and then we'll go from there. Um, and I wonder whether he does do that with Phillips. I know he's only had eight uh, championship games, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes they step up. And there's also young Alfie Dorrington as well. Alfie Dorrington's coming up very quickly through the ranks. Very talented, highly regarded player in the academy. He's been training with the first team quite a bit and will continue to do this season. Um and then he's got other kind of versatile options. He's got Ben Davies, can go on the left. We were saying just before we came on air, Emerson Royale at a push as a right-sided centre-back, like you said, maybe better in a back three, same as Ben Davies, but who knows? And then you've got Eric Dyer. I'm, I'm fascinated to see who's on the bench against Sheffield United because Lacelso, I think, could potentially be back fit. It depends um, <clears throat> how quick his recovery is. So if Lacelso's fit, then really that still remains just that one spot, doesn't it? Um, and that currently would surely go to Phillips, in which case Eric Dyer's like, you know, because it was, yeah, because Sanchez, someone's got to take Sanchez's spot, haven't they? Yeah, well, surely Phillips takes Sanchez's spot and then Gio's place is, you know, the question mark, if he's fit, he'll take it. If not, then is it Eric Dyer's? Is he another player? Yes, Yes. Oh, I've lost my count of numbers now. So it was only Phillips. So Phillips replaced the Celso. Yeah. Sanchez was on, on the bench uh, at Burnley. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, I'm right originally, aren't I? So if Lacelso comes back, Lacelso kind of retains his old place that wasn't there. Well, he'd take Phillips's Phillips place, Sanchez's. but then Phillips takes yeah. Sanchez, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so <laughs> we've just gone roundabout to get back to the same point. So it could be Phillips or Lacelso, and Dyer really could still be watching on from the outside potentially. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued. I saw there was a story this week about him going to Daniel Levy and, and asking about his future and all that. I don't know the context of that in terms of would that potentially have just been a meeting about am I going, am I supposed to go, am I staying to the end of the season, and within that asking about his future and, and stuff. Because I, I can't imagine Postacoglu not letting him know quite clearly either way. It doesn't strike me as the kind of person, Postacoglu, that would leave someone there not really knowing about their future. Because, I mean, we're going to talk about the Hoybier quotes were quite interesting. Um, about how he's very much been kept in the loop by Postacoglu. I mean, do you want to talk about that briefly, about Hoybier and exactly? Yeah, I've I've got the quotes here, so yeah. I'll, I'll go over them. Obviously, he's been on Denmark international duty. I think he was speaking to the media last night, so he was asked about his role at Tottenham and then obviously the transfer interest in him and obviously possibly a move to Saudi Arabia before the deadline, so... Uh, starting with what he was saying about Ange Postacoglu and his role at Tottenham, he said, I followed the path of the coach and the team and fortunately there's been a good turn throughout and as such there has been no problem from some of the sides. Fortunately, there is a great understanding that the only thing that is important are the tasks that lie ahead for the team and the club. He added, there has been a good dialogue throughout and there has been great respect for both parties. In the end, the most important thing, and they have made this very clear to the coach and the club, is that I have to show my best side and deserve what I get from playing time. Right now, I am not among the starting eleven. It is what it is. I try to show my best side if the coach points to me. And then he was asked about transfer interest, obviously Fulham, Manchester United, Atletico uh, linked with him. Also whispers of a move to Saudi Arabia. And it's fair to say his response was pretty firm. It was, I'm really looking forward to the match tomorrow where we will play against San Marino. <laughs> Only the facts. From yeah, here. he didn't want to speak about that. But with the Saudi Arabian window up until 10pm tonight, uh, I mean, that was something you said to me this morning. Would would the sanction move? I mean, we mm. didn't think they would with Davinson Sanchez, but they did. No. So, I, I, mean, I mean, for you then, a bid comes in for him. Do, do you let him go? Well, it's slightly different to Sanchez. With Sanchez's case, I kind of, although I think that it's going to lo- leave them short, it's Tottenham, so I can see there being injuries at some point, and we're all going to say, oh, why didn't you keep hold of Davinson Sanchez? But from a financial aspect, I kind of got it. For a guy with nine months left, to get £12.8 million is pretty good. Um, with Hoybier with two years left on his deal, it would have to be a really good bid, you'd think. Uh, I don't know what, 40 million, something like that, 35, 40 million. Um, and then, ooh, can you cover him? A lot of it is on Benson Core being ready to go in November. November's roughly when they're expecting him back, as Postacoglu said. Um, and until November, you'd have to really make do with pretty much skippy as you're back up to three places. I mean, we've said before, Kudusevsky maybe can take on the Madison role. I guess you've got Lacelso as well. Um, and then I think I said to you earlier, I don't know how popular it would be, but Eric Dyer stepping back into his old midfield role if required. They're probably you just about could make do, but 
should you have to make do? You know, that's a whole other thing. Um, I think Spurs are helped out by the aspect of having one game a week pretty much this entire season. Um, that's going to be a big thing in terms of being able to have a much tighter, smaller squad. And I guess if they can make some money on the side, I mean, if they could sell Hoybier today, there's been no rumblings of it at this point as we're recording this. I should stress that. Um, if that late move suddenly did come in, you know, you're looking at, let's say that was 35 million plus the 12, you know, you're looking at 50 million for him and Sanchez. Suddenly, bang, you go out in January and you get yourself a, a really good kind of defender. Um, although we know prices are increased in January. Personally, I would probably not take a move for Hoybier right now, only because I think he's an experienced midfielder who can do a job for the team still, very much so. Um, I would maybe revisit that next summer or in January, but right now, I, other than financial, I think it would be just leaving yourself sparse in another position in the squad. Yeah, I totally agree. I just think Spurs need his experience. I think that was evident in the Bournemouth game when, you know, Bournemouth were on top for the first 15 minutes of the second half and looked likely uh, to score. And and Postacoglu changed it, brought the experience of Hoybjerg and Perisic on and that helped Spurs get a foothold in the game and they went on uh, to win that 2-0. And I thought he did well in his time on the pitch against Manchester United. So I think think you need that experience in there and I think what you've also got to have in the back of your mind is come January is the AFCON and Basuma and Papa Matasar will be going off to represent their respective countries and you don't want to leave yourself that short and the fact of the matter is even say if they sold him would Spurs have a midfielder in January ready to go usually late movers in the transfer market in January very rare you're going to have a player coming in first first week of January. So, no, I'd, I'd keep him. And then maybe if he's not in Andrew's plans, then you sell him next summer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the only way you go about it, to be honest. Yeah. Right. There has been another transfer from Tottenham. This one took place yesterday and saw Maxim Piscotzi make the move to Grasshopper Zurich. Uh Never really had a chance in the first team at Tottenham. Trained with him uh, a number of times. I think he got three minutes at the end of the Passos de Ferreira game when Nuno was manager uh, two years ago. Was on the bench that season uh, when Antonio Conte took charge. They were the cup games against Markham and then I think it was the home leg against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup semi-final. Uh, but it's just not worked out for him. And I think when you get to the age of 21 and if you've not had a sight of the first team then I think you probably realise you've got to go elsewhere for your football and good move for him signed a three-year contract and he did send uh, I'd probably say a pretty good message on Instagram thanking everyone at the club saying he'd made you know friends for life and the fact as well that him and his family will never forget what you know people in the club have uh, done for him so I'm sure everyone at the club will wish him well yeah, um, actually, just because in case we forget mentioning at any point, Davinson Sanchez also left a nice little note as well for everyone. A place he'll always call, uh, have in his heart, the place he called home as well. Uh, with Maxim, yeah, it's exactly like you said. He's come close, but never quite been able to kind of break that barrier to get into the first team. He's had injury issues, had a couple of, like a medical thing as well, which 
all of that thankfully is all behind him and he's I think he will be a very good player I think he will he's was kind of thrust wasn't he in the Estonian national team really young having not even played a minute at that point I don't think for Spurs first team wise um, and he it was a real sink or swim moment and he, he swam very well and, and he's very versatile and I think he'll do very well there um, I wouldn't be shocked if we you know, don't see him come back into like a major European league at some point. And uh, yeah, he's still very young as well. Whole career laid out ahead of him and I'm sure he'll do very well. Yep, right. A couple of other bits before we get on to our play ratings. I think everyone's wondering when Scott Mund, the chief football officer, is going to officially start his job. It was the start of April when his moves to the club was announced and everyone's still waiting. You've done an article on him today, Ali, so you've got all the information. It's finally coming in an end. The wait for Scott Mann is finally going to end this month. Later this month, he will officially commence his role. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable that it was announced as being July the 1st, and here we are, September the 7th. Still hasn't officially started yet. He's been at matches as a guest of the club, um, and I'm sure, how do I put this, um, will have been doing kind of advisory things in the background and being consulted on things that will affect him going forward is probably the best way to put it as part of this handover period. Um, but yeah, it's just there were delays. The Citigroup end, a very protracted move it ended up being rather than the, uh, the normal quick process. That just seems to be the Tottenham way. Um, but finally, uh, Scott Munn will become officially the club's chief football officer. And I th- would imagine that will be very quickly followed by a new director of football as well, um, who he will confirm to work between him and Postacoglu. Um, it seems to be as a relationship between him and Postacoglu. Um, obviously, we'll have known e- of each other over the years. Uh, the City Group, it kind of worked... Um, <sighs> How do I put this is the best possible way? Yeah, I think that's the best way to say it. They knew of each other. I don't think they ever directly worked with each other at any point, did they? I think it's just one of those where they worked within the Australian game together and would have known each other very well. Um, and certainly with my own eyes, I have seen them chatting a couple of times um, after matches. So, yeah, that just now has the one person in the middle. And Postacoglu said the other week that, yes, you know, there needs to be a director of football in place. That needs to be the thing because I think he's had to drive a lot of the recruitment this summer. Um, and you would think that they will choose someone who will have similar philosophy and ideas to Postacoglu to gel nicely with him and also someone that um, Scott Munn will be able to work with. Um, and I'm sure when I say about making decisions um that will he will have been kept note uh kept notified of because it affects him i'm sure that's one of those such things which probably won't be too long after he arrives uh i don't even know whether they could announce it before he arrives but technically he's okayed it before he starts um we'll find out we'll find out but it's something that needs to happen and as i'm sure Spurs fans would say it's great that it's all happening after the transfer window has ended. But then I guess if the person is employed at another club, um, the the director of football, then not many clubs are going to let them go while the transfer window is taking place because you're benefiting the next uh, employer. But there you go. Yeah, so Scott Munn, finally chief football officer in place later this month. Uh, and we can I can stop making silly little puns like Mundercover and things like that. And uh, he can officially be there. 
one big hope is that he talks to the the media more. That would be nice. You know, <laughs> Paratici was meant to be that person and Paratici did one press conference, didn't he? That was it. Um, and obviously with Daniel Levy, uh, I think it's fair to say he's, he's not the greatest fan of the media and, and communicating really in general at all. So to have someone that certainly in his previous job seems to have spoken to the media, yeah, be nice if Scott Munn, maybe we'll get him Golden Guest Talk Tottenham, special Scott Munn episode. When we're doing our world tour, <laughs> we'll stop by in um, Australia when he's on a little break back home or something. But uh, yeah, just more transparency, more communication can't be a bad thing. No, not at all. Uh, some more good news from a Tottenham perspective today. Although this could be is bad it? news if they say, would go and win the awards. Uh, but Ange Postacoglu has been nominated for the Barclays Manager of the Month after three wins and one draw from four games. He's up against Mikel Arteta, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp and David Moyes. I, I think there's a good chance he wins this award. For me, I think it's got to be between him and David Moyes because surely the other three managers are expected to get those results and be up there. Andrew's come in, totally transformed this Tottenham team, got them playing his way. I think West Ham have started really well, some notable results against Chelsea and Brighton. So I think it's got to be between those two. And then in terms of the EA Sports Player of the Month, James Madison has been nominated the others to be up for the award are Awanyi at Nottingham Forest, Jared Bowen, Brian Buemo, uh, Matoma at Brighton and Rodri at Man City. Uh, some good candidates there have had really strong months. I think James Madison's got to be one of the favourites for that. Has to be. Has to be. Has to be. And then finally, it doesn't stop there, Guglielmo Vicario has been nominated for the Castrol Save of the Month uh, following his brilliant stop to deny Casemiro in the win over Manchester United. Jordan Pickford, Jose Sarr, it's Mark Flecken at Brentford, Ariola at West Ham and Alison Becker at Liverpool also nominated. So... Maybe a Tottenham treble on the agenda. We'll have to Sounds wait and like see. really bad luck if that <laughs> happens. <laughs> oh, it just takes me back to Nuno. That's all it does. That photo when he got the entire staff to pose with the trophy, uh, the award. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be quite happy for Moisey and West Ham to take that one. To be honest, um, just purely because of that, I think Ange deserves it for everything he's done at Spurs and transformed them. But it's just a funny thing about that Manager of the Month award. It's just, it's not a good thing. Uh, whereas I don't really feel it's the same with the player stuff. Madison, I think, deserves it. He's been superb. Um, and that save from Vicario was excellent uh, from Casemiro. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go for the double and, and Ange can just maybe uh, win one. Maybe win the. Uh, the May Manager of the Month award. That'd be great. Yeah, nice to be nominated, though. I mean, sure, yeah. Tottenham are heading in the right direction. So I, th I think it'll be next week when uh, the awards are announced. So, yeah, we'll wait and see who comes out on top in those three categories. Right, to the... Oh, before we do the season play ratings, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about using NordVPN? 
Of course, as hopefully people are aware, but if you're not, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world. That means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. It's something I have used many times before they came on board as sponsors of the show. I was using it in Italy only uh, last month. I was trying to mix my months up. Yeah, last month I was using it out there to be able to watch things that I would normally can watch at home. But for some unknown reason, as soon as you step abroad, your phone locks down and stops you from watching them, even though you've paid for them. Whereas, so this service just allows you to set your phone thinking it's back in the UK. And it's fantastic for that. It's also fantastic for security. If you're using public Wi-Fi, it locks your phone down, stops people getting into your phone, tablet, laptop, whatever it is, whatever device you're using, and stops people taking all of your personal and important details and financial stuff off of your computer um, or your device. And not only that, but the outlay on NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run, and that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, you could book flights from another country. Um, That can be cheaper too. Let's say you could book it from anywhere else in Europe as if you were heading somewhere else. Um, and it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall. There are a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right, season play ratings then. We'll start with Guglielmo Vicario. Uh, really, really impressive since his move to the club has been maybe a bit quiet in some of the games. Uh, but when he has been, you know, uh, called upon, he has produced some fantastic saves, uh, notably against Manchester United, then at the weekend uh, against Burnley uh, as well. And maybe had a bit of a shaky start in terms of his passing and that at Brentford, but. I think that's come on in leaps and bounds. And I think that was always going to be the case with, you know, the more games he gets under his belt. So for his season today, I'll give him an eight. Yes. By the way, we want people this to be kind of interactive. We we want you to be shouting at your radio or whatever. We want you to shout your number for the person as well. And by all means, on social media, come back to us and tell us exactly the, the number. It's out of 10. Not 100. We're not giving an 8 out of 100. Um, I'm also going to go for an 8. Um, I think he's been really solid, really everything that Spurs could have asked for, really, from those opening few weeks. I saw Mark Schwartz, of all people, criticising him. I saw some quotes really? from him. Yeah, but it was a weird quote. I don't know whether it was some that had been delayed because he was talking about I watched him in pre-season and I wasn't that impressed. So whether it's something that someone's held the quotes over for a little while and then chuck them out there, because if you've watched him in the Premier League, yeah, Brentford game is a little bit still learning his defence. He was a little bit erratic with some of his kicking. I would say since then, he's been pretty much kind of pitch perfect. I think everything he's done, even the footwork with the ball um, has been excellent. So yeah, I'm quite happy with an 8 out of 10. I think room to grow, but a really impressive start for me. Yeah, Fraser Forster's next. This is a bit of a difficult one because he's only played the one game. So if he scored a 10 in the game, <laughs> you can't really give him a 10 for the season, can you? It just looks a bit... Yeah, it's, looks a bit this dark. is always where season ratings come unstuck. 
because you can have someone that's played three or four games at the end of a season but has done really well throughout the all. The way that I always say it, whenever I do these season ratings, I always say you judge it on the players' expectations of their performance and our expectation of their performance. You don't use it in kind of comparison with other players. I think that's the only way you can do it. So just take him as his own his own mark, as it were, for just him. doesn't really affect you by any other player. Yeah, uh, obviously Forster played in the Cup against Fulham uh, just over a week ago. Made some good saves in the game. Uh, didn't get in anywhere near any of the penalties. And for such a big lad, you'd probably expect him to get a bit closer. Uh, not the most comfortable on the ball with his feet. But I mean, that's never been his game. At the end of the day, I think since he's been a keeper, his job is, you know, to stop the ball going in the net. It's only in recent years that have had goalkeepers playing the ball out from the back. So that's certainly not something he's been used to. Uh, I think I'd give him a five for this season. I will, because I didn't wasn't there for that game and I only watched kind of little bits and pieces of it, I will bow to your superior knowledge of Forster's performance uh, at Fulham. Like I say, I saw the penalty. Like you said, I saw the penalties, and he was absolutely miles away from every one of them. Um, is that really his thing? Penalty saving? Is it something he's been renowned for over the years? Funny enough, Vicario is a bit of a penalty saver, isn't he? I'm sure I read that last year. Someone saying that about him. Right. I don't so, know. We'll, we'll find out uh, soon well, if well, Spurs give away penalties. Yeah, I was going to say. I'd, I'd rather we don't find out. But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so yeah, no, I'll go with your five if you're happy with that. Right. Next up, uh, moving on to defence, Pedro Porro. What did you give Pedro then for this season? Um, I'm going for a 7.5. I'm going to go the halves. Uh, we are doing that, by the way. Sorry, to I should have said that from the start to people. I think he's he's been a little bit in pre-season, was a little bit iffy defensively, but we're judging him on the season, the Premier League actual season itself. And I think... He's actually been quite surprisingly good defensively. I think a lot of, he's had the odd moment where he's maybe got beaten. Like, um, who has it got past him recently? Oh, it's gone out of my head. Um, Which game? Not the last one, the one before. No, it was the last game. Sorry, it was the last game. Yeah, he was beaten down the side for the opening goal, wasn't he? Kolyosha, um, I think he Kolyosha, was called. that's it. Yes, he was beaten down the flank for the opening goal, but then responded really well with the ball over the top for Sonny to go through and then that lovely world-class pass for him for Sonny's third goal. Um, but I would say actually on the whole defensively, especially against United, I feel that like he's done quite well. Um, there's little odd moments where you can see he's still adapting to a new role, but I would um, yeah, I'll stick with 7.5. I was thinking about bumping him up slightly, but no, I'll stick with 7.5 and that's about right. There's a lot of room for growth for him. Yeah, uh, I was going to give him a 7. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think he's had a good season. Obviously, he wasn't in the team on the opening day, but since he's come in, he's been very good. Probably his best performance in the Tottenham shirt against Manchester United. Uh, he was steady away against Bournemouth, not at the you know same level as he was against Manchester United, but I thought he was... Got Burnley had a role to play in two of Son's goals, as you were saying, beating down his side for Burnley's opener. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give him a seven, uh, personally. Right, Emerson Royale then for you, Ali. Yeah, it's, 
hasn't really had too much to deal with, has he? Obviously, he scored in the opening game against Brentford. Nice finish, but he wasn't particularly good in that game. Defensively, got beaten a few times uh, down his flank. I actually think defensively, he's probably looked shakier than Porro has, which is not the way around we expected it. Um, I didn't see too much of him, uh, obviously, in the Fulham game. How did he do on that one? So you can inform my opinion. To be honest, with Emerson that game, I was struggling to think of stuff to write about him uh, <laughs> in that game. I, I don't think he did too bad, uh, but in an attacking sense, didn't really offer much when he went upfield. So I think it might have given him a five for that game. Okay. Well, I'll go 5.5 then. I'll add the, a little bit extra because of the goal um, that he scored. Um, yeah, 5.5. I think he's got to play, really, to bump that rating up. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that rating, uh, especially giving him that extra 0.5 cost of the goal because it was a really well-taken goal. I think he just needs the game time now, but with Pedro Porro playing so well, I don't know when he's going to be starting games, unfortunately. Right, next up, Christian Romero, uh, one of Tottenham's two new vice-captains. He has had... An excellent start to the season. Brilliant start. Yeah, two goals as well. Uh, two very good goals. Then for me, nine. Same, same. Yeah. I think we're in total agreement there. I think he's been fantastic. Stepped up to responsibility, the leadership. Like you say, contributing at both ends of the pitch. Really guiding kind of figure in that young back four. Um, he's 25 years old, but he's the leader of it. Yeah, I think he's had a terrific uh, start to the season and more of this please if this is the Romero we're going to get this season and as we said I think in the last pod did, hasn't conceded a foul <laughs> who kidnapped Christian Romero and put this imposter in his place um, but yeah no I think he's, he's superb and, and the only reason I'm not giving higher than a nine was because he only played a few minutes of the Brentford game um, because of that head injury I think oh I'm very excited about what Romero could do. Just please don't get injured on international duty, please. Well, obviously you mentioned that no fouls and you said that in the last podcast. He did uh, catch Antoine Semenya uh, outside the box in the Bournemouth game. Referee wave play on. I mean, looking back at that, that should have been a free kick. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. I I know it doesn't count, but I'm just saying (laughs) he he could have. Uh, But yeah, hopefully he carries on the way he's going. Right, next to Christian Romero, I think Mickey van der Ven's been absolutely fantastic since he's come into the club. He was handed his debut against Brentford after training for, what, three days? Uh, Postacoglu, no qualms at all about throwing him in at the deep end and... He's just continued to go from strength to strength, looks so comfortable on the ball. We've seen how quick he is because he more than coped well against Adama Traore in the Fulham Cup game. And he's starting to build up a good understanding with Christian Romero and the same with Vicario behind him when he's been playing it back and playing the one-twos at times. I'll give him an 8.5. I think He's been good like Romero, but I think Romero deserves the extra 0.5 following his goals. I just don't want to be marking players you know, way too high already after five games because yeah. there's not a lot of room to go from there. So 8.5. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I'll, I'll go with you on that one. Um, I just think he's the only thing about him that I would say. He's got this unfortunate thing. And I think a lot of it is because of his recovery pace to get back. He often gets the last touch on goals that have been conceded. It's very unfortunate. You know, he is an, an inch away from stopping that being a goal. But the amount of times he's just, if you look, even the the last goal that Burnley, the second goal Burnley scored, it comes off of his leg and goes inside the corner. Um, but that's really not to do him down at all because I think it's been a fabulous start. Uh, again, another one of those who's very easily made the transition into the Premier League. So, yeah, I'm happy with 8.5. Not quite Romero standards, but he's got such a high ceiling, Mickey van der Ven. He's got all the physical attributes and the skill and got his first Netherlands call up. He's absolutely fine right now. And again, please don't get injured. Please don't get injured because <laughs> we've got no one to come in. Right, next centre-back who is no longer at the club, Davinson Sanchez. I think I'm going to give him a five for his performance uh, this season. I think played well against Brentford when he was called upon after, what, 12 or 30 minutes. Uh, he was the senior member of the back line that day and he was marshalling them, telling them what to do. And that's something we've not always seen with Sanchez. And then he got, his, he got a start against Fulham in the Cup and... It was a disappointing, especially given the past few performances we've seen from Sanchez against Brentford in the pre-season games as well. Uh, guilty of giving the ball away early on where Rodrigo Munez nearly scored. Tom Kearney gave him the run around for Mickey van der Ven's own goal and then his performance was capped off by missing that, uh, what turned out to be the decisive penalty miss. And Full the last credit. time he ever touched the ball. Yeah, unfortunate. Full credit to him, though, for you know putting his hand up and wanting to take a penalty because in that Absolutely. situation there's some players who don't want to who don't want to take the responsibility uh, upon themselves. So I think, I think five for me for Sanchez. I'm going to go slightly higher. I'll go 5.5. I'm just going to give that extra half mark because I thought he was really good when he came on against Brentford in a tough situation, chucked on really early on. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't have to wax lyrical about Davin Sanchez as a person any more than I did in the last podcast. I think he's put up with a lot of unfortunate stuff in the last year and he's come out of the other side, you know, I just think with a lot of class, I think as well, and grace and, and again, saying goodbye to Spurs in the way he did when he could have quite rightly gone, well, you didn't even want me anyway, goodbye. Um, I think it says a lot about him as a person and yeah, so I give him an extra half mark just for that. Yep. Uh, next up, Destiny Udogi. What a signing. It's just it's such a shame we've had to wait, you know, 12 months to see him in action, but well worth the wait. He has been an absolute star since he joined the club. He, you know, he's just not even had to adapt to the Premier League. He looks like he's been playing in there for years. Uh, good defensively, very good going forward as well. I think he's going to be certainly one of the best left-backs in the Premier League and can be become one of the best left-backs in the world if he carries on this, you know, recent progress. I think he's more than capable of certainly being up there. Uh, 9.5 for me. I think he's been that good. Yep. Again, yeah, you're nicking all my marks. I Definitely, I'm going 9.5 as well. 
yeah, just honestly, I'm a fully paid up member of the Destiny of Doggy Appreciation Society. Um, it's just been a remarkable start to his Tottenham career. I've, I've never seen a young player. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone that's come in so confident. Maybe Delhi. When he came yeah, in, he yeah. was very much ready, ready made. But even he was coming from the same country, just stepping up a couple of leagues. Whereas Destiny Doggy's come from such a different league. Um, yeah, he's been superb. Um, I would have wanted to give him a ten, but I think as a young player, you've got to give him some room to keep going up from. Because, um, like you say, he's he's got everything about him to be even more special. And I think definitely right now has to be seen as one of the best left-back performers in the Premier League so far this season. I know he was obviously called into Italy under-21 squad there for this month's fixtures with Drew because he had a fever. I think over the next week, uh, next few weeks, what, they've got Spurs four or five games on the agenda maybe before the next international break. If he continues to impress, I can't see any reason why he shouldn't be in the senior squad for Italy in uh, October's games. So sticking with the left-backs, Ben Davis uh, obviously not had as much football as he would have liked this season yeah. with Destiny playing so well. If you ask him, he will say he's got a goal already this season. The yeah. <laughs> official Premier League records probably say no. I think you know what you're always going to get from Ben Davis when he comes on to the pitch. A uh, real steady player. 5.5 for me same as Emerson yeah I think that's fair I think that's fair he yeah he hasn't played a load of football um, did make an impact against United although yes that little touch was was going wide otherwise it wouldn't have been an own goal for Martinez but uh, yeah he, he's just a very experienced backup and I think he'll do that role very well this season hopefully Right, moving on to midfield. Eves Basuma first up. Ali, what did you give him? Uh, 8.5 I'm giving Eves Basuma. And I think some people might go higher than that. And I would just say that I still think he can be even better. But he has been back to the Brighton Basuma, which is great. I think he's been superb. I think he's getting some nice little link-ups working with Madison and, and Saar as well and just the forward players, he's kind of looking for them as much as possible. But I still feel like there's a little odd loose pass at times. And I think there's the odd time when he'll get himself stuck up the pitch and he doesn't get back quite as quickly as I would like to see him get back. I'm presumably Postacoglu as well, because uh, it doesn't matter whether I think that or not. Um, but I would say that he has been a massive part of this good start to the season from Spurs. But yeah, I'm not going to quite tip him onto a nine. I'm going to stick with an 8.5 just to say that he's got a little bit more to do, but he is going to be one of the dominant figures, I think, of this season for Spurs. Yeah, I've given him the same as well. I thought it was outstanding on the opening day at Brentford, the same in the Manchester United game. One man of the match, both of those two games. I thought then it was, you know, very good again against Bournemouth and Burnley, but maybe not quite at those levels that we saw in the opening two games. So the 8.5 still a, you know, really, really strong rating for the season so far. And yeah, he's looking more like the player we watched on a regular basis at Brighton. It just it begs the question, why on earth weren't we seeing this East Basuma last year? But 
I think we you know, know why. <laughs> Let's well, be we, honest. <laughs> we know why, but at least Angie's getting uh, the very best out of him now, and it's certainly benefiting Tottenham as a result. Pierre Emil Hoyberg, Ali. Um, yeah, it's like we said earlier with him. It's kind of a bit part supporting role, but what he's done, he's done quite well. Um, other than he wasn't too great against Fulham, was he? From what I've heard. No, maybe not his best of games, but I mean. Fulham were on top that game just overrunning the midfield at times so yeah but I think when he has come on in games Manchester United and Bournemouth especially I think he's played well played his part in the wins yeah um, I'll go for a six then just kind of middly not not bad particularly uh, just adjusting to a different role at the moment and I still feel like if he doesn't suddenly depart today uh, again, which we've had no indication at this point that that's going to be the case. I still think he'll have a part to play this season, potentially quite a big one if if you just get one injury in there at the moment. Yeah, uh, that I agree with you. I think I've given him uh, a six as well. Such a different role for him this season. So I think it worked out. He'd started 109 of the last 114 Premier League games in the previous three seasons and now he's just had to, you know, make do with minutes here and there. I didn't played well in the Manchester United game when he came on. Just the experience head, kept the ball well, kept it moving. Bournemouth, I think they needed him on the pitch at the time uh, because they were being overrun and Bournemouth did look most likely to score. So, yeah, six for me. Uh, next player then, James Madison. He's going to score very highly. He is, honestly. Again, another one I'd have given a 10, but I just feel like you can't give a 10 after five games or so of the season. Um, He's been a revelation. He has become everything that this Spurs team is being built around right now by Postacoglu. And again, I would have been very happy if he didn't go to international duty and just stayed wrapped up in Cottonwool at Hotspur Way. Although it's very hot to be wrapped up in Cottonwool, I'd imagine, right now. Um. Yeah, of course. For him, I'd love him to go and play a big part for England and to kind of maybe break through and be recognised in that way for England that maybe he isn't at this point. But I do think the Spurs move will help him do that. It's it's weird when you think about it. And there's this, there is this theory, isn't there, among some players that playing for a certain teams just gives you that little bit more exposure which shouldn't really be the case. I mean, Leicester won the Premier League. Leicester won the FA Cup. Spurs won, like, you know, one League Cup in 25 years or so. Yet, for some reason, when you play at Spurs, they do, Spurs players have a better chance, or not better chance, but just seem to get more England minutes. It could be completely wrong. I could could have that the wrong way around. It could just be that, you know, he, he finds this new level of form as well at Spurs, and I hope that is the case. But, uh, yeah, brilliant player. Two goals, two assists. Premier League player of the month in my mind and Spurs best player as well. I'd, I'd, if I could, I'd give him a 9.6, but I don't want to break my half point things because I would have him as the best just over a doggy, but I'll stick with 9.5 so I don't break the rules. Yeah, I'm giving him 9.5 as well. I think him and a doggy have been the best two players for Tottenham this season. He's an absolute superstar. He's had such a huge influence on the football club. Uh, so far and yeah I mean there's not much else I can really add to what you said is such a good sign an absolute bargain so yeah 9.5 for me uh next up 
Pat Matasar, I'm going to give him an eight. Uh, I think he's been very good. I think Basuma has been better, slightly better. So that's why I've given Basuma 8.5. But for Saar to come in, limited opportunities last season, played very well in the AC Milan games. And I think those games towards the start of the year when he was given a run in the team, you know, he's deserved his goal against Manchester United. Uh Tottenham have a very, very good player on the hands who has the potential to become even better on the range post Coglu. Definitely. I feel like we're in an exam and you keep looking across at my uh, answers. <laughs> very, either that or we're just actually in tune for the first time in ages. Um, yeah, I'd give him an eight as well. I think he's not quite on the Basuma Madison level, but he has had a very good start to the season. And like you say, not only that goal, but the assist for Madison was superb. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd uh, I think an eight's fair for him. I think as such a talented young player, he's got so much more. I saw those Paratici quotes, um, doing the rounds again, where he just spoke well, after they signed him last year about like every club in Europe wanted him and how his name's been on the lips of so many scouts and stuff like that. And I think that's what it's starting to see now, 20 years old, and he's got everything in his locker to be a Premier League star. Yeah, I did read your player ratings, by the way. That's why they might be the same, but they do change when we get to the attack. I was going to say, don't trust my marks. Definitely don't. Go go on your own. (laughs) We're not that far away from the attacking players. First up, we've got Oliver Skip and then Giovanni Lo Celso. Skip, it's been maybe frustrating from his point of view in terms of a lack of minutes. Thought he did okay at Brentford. Uh, maybe not the best away at Fulham. I'd give him a 5.5. And then Lacelso, it's hard to judge him because he's had 45 minutes at Fulham. And I think he was one of Spurs' better player on the nights. And then obviously came off through injury. And then he got about 15 minutes or so against Bournemouth. It was really, you know, intent on trying to influence the game and make things happen. But I can't remember him getting much of the ball and the three points were already in the bag by then. So that was maybe unfortunate for Gio coming on then. I'd probably give Gio a five. Hmm, okay. I'd give Skippy a five. That's what I'd give him because I do think he's suffered more than anybody because of Saar really hitting the ground running this season. Um, I think... It was just a shame. He did so well against Barcelona in that last friendly yeah. before the season started. He was like scoring a couple of goals. He was flying, played the first game at Brentford and then just kind of lost his place and hasn't really got it back. Again, I've seen people going overboard in reactions. He's 22 years old. It's 22. He's going to get better. He's going to develop and, and understand the Postacoglu way and what he wants from him. He's got a very, very good skill set, Oliver Skip, to, to adapt to pretty much what any manager wants of him. Uh, but I would just go for a five right now. I was told, again, I didn't see too much of it. He wasn't particularly great against Fulham either. Didn't have the greatest of nights. But then, like you say, probably because the midfielders overrun a bit. Um, but then I guess that could be there for as well. Uh Celso, I'm controversially not going to mark him because the bulk of his minutes came against Fulham. So I'll have to just stick with whatever your view is. I only pretty much saw him come on briefly um, in the Premier League. But uh, yeah, hopefully more to come from him because they need a good Madison rotation option for when Madison needs a rest and or is injured. Hopefully, won't be. But Lascelles can come in then. 
Yep. Moving on to a, the attack, Dane Kulaseski first up. Uh, I'm going to give him a six for this season oh. so far. Uh, he came into the club. He set the bar so high, I think. His first four months at the club, was it, what, five goals and eight assists in 18 Premier League games? Yeah. Struggled last season to match their numbers. I think he got the same amount of assists in the Premier League, but he only got two goals. I think he's done okay so far. Uh, but You just get this feeling you want more from him because you know he can offer more. But what I would say is up until the Burnley game, I don't think the front three clicked into place. I think that was always going to take a bit of time. So I'd give him a six. Yeah, um, I'm going to go slightly. I'll go 6.5. Got that goal, obviously. You can relief on his face says a lot, I think. Um, I would say he's been a bit unfortunate and there's a few moments where he really should have grabbed an assist and then the final touch or shot from the player he passed it through to wasn't great. Uh, I mean, the one only from the other day, didn't he put Sonny through, didn't he? Yes, he, he did. Um, Sonny probably should have done better with that. Can't complain too much about a hat-trick hero, but... Yeah, I think there's been a couple of occasions when he's supplied that final ball and it hasn't been put away. Yeah, I'll go for 6.5. We know he can do much better, but I would still say he's been a threat, especially in the second half of a lot of games. I feel he's kind of got stronger and stronger as matches have gone on. Yeah, I think the Bournemouth game, once he scored, you saw a different day in Kulaseski because before that, he was just on the periphery of the action. And I think, as you've said before, I think you tend to forget how young he is because he just seems yeah. to have been around a few years now, played at some big clubs. So, Son Hyung Min, then, our ratings differ slightly, I think. Go on, I, I'm, sure. I'm giving Sonny 7.5. Okay. Uh, because I think he's had a decent start to the season. I just, like Kulaseski, I wanted him to influence the game more uh, in the early games. I didn't think he was at his best. Uh, I think it was the bomber for Manchester United game. Didn't have a shot on goal, uh, shot on target, sorry. Uh, but like you were saying with Kulaseski, I don't think the front three had clicked up until that point. Uh, great to see him get the hat-trick though uh, at Burnley. That's why I'd give him just a 7.5 so far. I think Burnley very good. The others maybe not so good, but I think he's led well uh, wearing the captain's armband. Yeah, I'd go just one slight notch further. I'm going to go an eight. I think a lot of people will probably go with your view and I understand it completely. Um, I'm going to knock it up ever so slightly higher just because of the impact he's made as a captain. Um, I don't think that can be underestimated as well. Behind the scenes, everyone's raving about the captain he is um, and how he stepped up to the role. He's including everyone, getting everyone and kind of really, I guess, all focus in one direction, positive. It's not to say other captains have not done that before, but it's just something that he's really, really doing well. Um, and I think in matches as well, there's been quite a few moments where he showed his experience. Postacoglu has pointed to it a couple of times that just knowing the right thing to do in the right moments and also talking to the young players. I don't think it's any coincidence that Destiny Doggy down the left-hand side is is flourishing in a partnership with Sonny. And I think that's because Sonny's using all of his experience in working with him as well. 
Um, and also Madison's playing very well down that left-hand side again in tandem with Sonny. And I think he kind of is almost like the common denominator in a lot of that. So, yeah, and the hat-trick was magnificent. So I'm going to go for eight. There's a lot of room for improvement because I think he's that good. Um, and I'm fascinated to see if he plays centrally regularly now because I think that rating will shoot up if he does. Yeah. Manus Solomon next. Uh, he's someone who's had to contend with, you know, minutes off the bench, was given his chance against Fulham. Uh, as I said in the previous podcast, the front three were feeding off scraps, really. Probably up until the, I think it was five minutes before half time when, you know, they really started to maybe up the pressure slightly on the Fulham goal. So strange for an Ange Postacoglu team not to have had a shot on goal within 40 minutes of a game uh, but was given his chance at Burnley and he more than took it with two assists uh, I'm going to give Mana 6.5 Yeah um, I think the two assists were a big thing for him I think that showed the end product that we've been hoping that he can find uh, he's definitely a threat I still wonder whether he ends up being an impact player from the bench as the season goes on and a very dangerous one at that. But hopefully for him, he'll be more than that. Um, I originally gave him a 6.5. I might... Oh, it's a difficult one. I was about to say I might knock it down to a 6, but then you could argue he's probably contributed more. Has, has Decky got an assist? I... <laughs> No, because you were saying it didn't count the Manchester United one. He put the ball across for Saar. Did, did that get a touch? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it got a touch. Yeah. yeah. So that one uh, is. Oh, I can't then. I think I'll, I'll, I'll stick with 6.5 as well for Mano Solomon. By his own expectations, he will have wanted more game time. But what he did with the time, um, not so much Fulham, but certainly against Burnley, I think, yeah, 6.5 is probably his fair, actually. Yeah, I'm going to give the same rating for even Perisic. Again, probably a frustrating start to the season for him because he did really, really well in the preseason games, but the starts haven't come his way against Fulham. Didn't have a lot to do because Spurs didn't have the ball. Did get an assist for Richarlison's goal, and I don't know if he went down as an assist for Martinez's own goal at Manchester United. But when the, I don't think you can have an assist for an own goal. When he's come on the pitch, he's made an impact. He did that against Bournemouth. I thought it was really good against Bournemouth. So I'm giving him 6.5. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't disagree on that one. I do think he's going to end up being quite an important um, little kind of bonus weapon for Postacoglu in terms of I don't think we expected him to be here this season. Yet he's bought into the Postacoglu way. Postacoglu quite likes him as well. And in terms of the quality of his delivery, I think he's constantly going to be a threat. So, yeah, 6.5, and hopefully that will rise. Yeah, we've got Dane Scarlett next. You didn't give Dane a rating, did you, based on 45 no, minutes? Yeah, I, I, I didn't see enough of him to, yeah. Yeah, uh, if I have to give him a rating, I'd give him five. I thought he did well when he came on uh, against Fulham perhaps a bit unlucky at times with the bounce of the ball, just not falling his way in the area. But he's now at Ipswich for the season and I think he'll have a really good season there. So yeah. five. Right, the final player before we move on to Ange Postacoglu and it's Richarlison. You give him a 10, are you? 
yeah, I've saved my 10 to last. <laughs> Give it an 11. You just broke the rules. Uh, Richie, I'm giving him 5.5. Uh, oh. I think it's, again, I think it's been a frustrating season for him. I think in some of the games he's played well, he's had a lack of chances on goal. What's fair to say, I think it was one against Brentford, probably one against Bournemouth. Can't remember any against Manchester United. Did did score at Fulham. Uh, he's worked hard for the team. He's just not fallen his way. And I think he's, he's just desperate for a goal. And I think once it comes, then he'll start adding to his Tottenham tally. Uh, so 5.5 for me. Um, yeah, I, I'm going lower. I'm going five, and I think he's even lucky to get that. I'll be honest. Um, really? There's definitely been a little. Well, I think there's definitely been moments where he's held the ball up well enough, but I'm not really in this camp of if a striker doesn't get much service, then that's not his fault. I'm very much of the idea of a, a striker has to make their own chances. Then they have to get involved. They have to if they've got to come deeper briefly, then they've got to do that. Or if they've just got to be a general threat up front in trying to win the ball back themselves, then they've got to do that. There's ways around it. Um, and I think that's what Harry Kane eventually became. I wouldn't say Harry Kane always started off in that kind of mould, but I think he just realised he would have to come deep to get the ball at times. And again, people might argue that's not what Postacoglu wants anyway. But yeah, Richarlison, I still hope, will come good. Um, I do think he's going to have to watch Sonny for a little while in this central role queue. Sonny going back to the left against Sheffield United, <laughs> which has going up top. But um, he's got to do a lot better than he has been. He's £60 million attacker. The whole, I think, whole idea at Spurs this summer was very much like, okay, well, if Kane does go, we've got Sonny, but we've also signed a £60 million striker or an attacker. So he has to live up to that billing. And I think in terms of if we're judging this on expectations – definitely a five for me and, and maybe lucky to get that so hopefully he goes away with brazil gets his confidence back and returns in a bit better form yep right finally then Ange postacoglu what are you giving him i'm gonna get blocked for richardson aren't i i've just realized <laughs> he's gonna block me on social media um Ange postacoglu i'm slightly tainted uh tainted i'm slightly uh my view is is tinged I guess by the fact that I didn't see much of Fulham so the one disappointing game where there was criticism of his his uh, team that he selected and everything I wasn't there for and didn't see much of so whether my score ends up being too high because of that that I'm absolutely willing to accept that criticism but I think just purely on the transformative effect that Andrew Postacoglu has had on Tottenham Hotspur, and I'm not even just talking on the pitch, I'm talking about off of it. Essentially, he's stitched back together a fragmented club, you know, that was, apt, let's be honest, where Spurs were was an absolute horror show. They were a mess. I think Ryan Mason played a little bit of a role in starting to bring it back together, but Postacoglu has just come in and gone whack and just chucked it all back together again. It's a totally different football club inside right now. Everyone's so happy. And it always, I find it amazing that he does it all with a coaching staff he's never worked with before. That's just, it's absurd. It makes a mockery, doesn't it, really, of all these coaches that travel around with their coaches they've had for 25 years or so alongside them because he can just go in and go, 
okay, I want that coach, that coach, that coach, because uh, I think they've got similar ideas. Now, lads, sit down, and within 24 hours, boof, they're ready to go off and, and pass on his message and train. That's incredible. That's, that is a proper gift. And the fact that the fans are singing his name already, there's different chants for him, they're singing they've got their Tottenham back. I just don't think you can underplay what a huge impact he has. And yes, I've had some people going, yeah, but Nuno won his first three games and won man of the match. I get that. Nuno did not do behind the scenes what Postacoglu has done. Nuno did not get Spurs playing the kind of football that Spurs are now playing. <laughs> it, it, is, it is chalk and cheese. It is two very different managers, two different times, two different impacts. Um, I'm giving Postacoglu a nine. Um, and I've said this before, but honestly... Everything they've done this summer, no signing has been more important than Postacoglu, as as I mark him lower than Madison and a doggy. But you know what I mean. I do think he's uh, he's just a huge benefit to Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, signing of the summer, uh, no doubt he has worked wonders at the football club. I think it's just such a great appointment. I'm gonna give him a nine. Maybe if they'd won all four Premier League games and gone through in the cup then he gets a 10. Yep. But I mean, so early in the season, you don't want to be giving out 10s, do you? Really, I don't think he would want a 10 either. I get the impression he's no. the kind of guy that wouldn't accept that right now. No, so there's not much wiggle room, is there, once you've got 10. No. And to be honest, the only way is down after that. So uh, I, th- I think nine's fair. Uh, yeah, some very high ratings there. Some, you know, more than deserved the rating so far and I'm sure come the next international break in October we'll be going over them uh, yeah. once again. We're not again. doing this every week by the way <laughs> just in case anyone's like oh my goodness every week no no this is our little international break tradition that we're going to kind of bring into the podcast and uh, again please do let us know if there's any you felt we were well off on um, absolutely now that we're doing these are going on youtube leave them in the comments underneath absolutely tell us where we've gone horribly wrong tell us who should have got more um and by the way when i was saying thank you for all the podcast stuff thank you as well for the youtube stuff i think we're even surprised at how quickly that's grown as well and the amount of people that are watching these each week and adding that to the numbers that listen to the podcast we're absolutely over the moon by it all so no thank you very much yeah but thank you Thank you for the views. It's certainly much appreciated. Right, People we'll leave obsessed with Jesty's room as well. <laughs> I'm loving that. I'm loving the fact that everyone's always going to see my stupid mug all the time on camera, and now they're getting to see you. And it's either a people being shocked. He's much younger than I expected. I don't know whether people just thought you had the oldest voice ever, um, which I never. I don't know. I've always. I think because I've always seen you with your voice, I've kind of associated with you. But also the obsession about your room is amazing as well and your penance behind you. Yeah, yeah. Right, we'll leave <laughs> yeah, that moving there. On. <laughs> yeah, moving on, moving on. There's nothing to say. Right, that's it for today's uh, episode of Golden Guests Hot Tottenham. We'll be back next week, probably early in the week, and then hopefully another one at the back end of the week. There's always something to talk about in the world of Tottenham Hotspur, so just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can find the link in the episode description box.